This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out. And goes down. That's eight. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him, line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show as we wrap up the first full month of the 2023 season. On today's program, we'll speak with Pete Fairbanks about his record-setting run on the mound and his love for coffee. I'll chat with Denard Spann of the Raisin Valley Sports Sun about the week on by. We look ahead to Mental Health Awareness Month with the parents of the late Gene Ramirez, Tony and Carlos. Plus, we'll discuss the race catchers with the major league coach who works with them, Tomas Francisco. We continue with This Week in Rays Baseball, and our feature guest this week is a guy who now holds the franchise record for consecutive scoreless innings. It's Pete Fairbanks. Always great to chat with you, Pete. It is always great, and I've also realized that I'm now probably the franchise leader in unintended sparkles on the back of a phone case due to somebody's one-year birthday outfit that she's going to be in today. So, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Happy birthday to Lottie. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> she has to go to the DMV this morning for her very special first birthday, but no, she's... Uh, we got her, she took some pictures with Lid and us uh, over the weekend, or not over the weekend, at the start of the weekend is a, a first birthday thing, and they we got them all back today, and they are hilarious. It's a, it's a great time for you, a great time for your family, too. Which one is more like you, Isaac or Lottie now? Your your oldest or, or your only girl? I, I would say, given the sample size, Isaac, but also given some very small sample sizes, there's going to be a lot of a lot of similarities with with Lottie and myself. I think once she gets uh, a little older, she used to be just a little little unopinionated, little sweetheart, and now she's very vocal about the things she likes and does not like. That doesn't sound at all like you. Nah, it's uh, must be somebody else. Again, chatting with Pete Fairbanks, we mentioned at the top, you set a, a franchise record, and I know you're not here to set records, but can you put in context what that means, especially when you think about how many good pitchers and how many good relievers specifically have been in this organization? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not one for, for records. I really just want to win. That's, uh, you know, why I love being here is that we have won pretty pretty consistently. We obviously haven't won the big one, but um, yeah, there's a lot of really good names that have come through this organization and done some pretty special things to just so you know just to be even uh you know putting that same class as some of them is that's good enough for me and obviously you know all the other stuff is just kind of gravy on top of that when you did what you did it obviously means you're being very consistent too what's allowed you to be more consistent as you've grown and matured as a relief pitcher uh, I think just approach just really trying to know that everything stems from attacking the strike zone and then you know, being able to rein myself into the adjustments that I want to make if I'm not there, you know, versus where maybe if it were four or five years ago, I just would have gotten frustrated. And instead of, 
you know, being able to kind of have a little bit more of a clear thought and say, hey, okay, this is why I'm missing here or there, and this is what I need to do, and instead of, you know, just kind of letting those frustrations of not being perfect in what I'm aspiring to kind of derail me. How much of that is mental? How much of that is physical? Well, I'd say everything's mental because that's it, that's what controls it, right? If I'm, you know, if I'm getting too big and physically not staying, you know, throwing the ball how I throw the ball, well, that stems from me, you know, having something in my head that's telling me I need to do too much, right? Instead of, you know, trusting that I am who I am and the ball is going to do what the ball is going to do. So stay within your delivery, you know, pull down through the baseball when you need to pull down through the baseball and, and go from there. Who's been helpful with that kind of stuff? Because I've chatted with some players where Justin Sue has been a big influence and some have outside influences that they lean on. Who have you leaned on and what's your routine like to get you ready? Uh, I mean, for me, it's Kyle. Uh, I will annoy him at times, but he uh, has been, you know, probably the biggest influence on me pitching-wise of, of anybody that I've worked with and just, you know, really maintaining that the stuff is good, so just throw it over the plate. And, you know, if things don't go your way, it happens, but you have to continue to, you know, attack the plate in the strike zone for them, you know, to even put yourself in the spot for good things to happen. Whether, you know, they do or not, everything kind of stems from, from being over the plate. When you elected to sign an extension to stick around here for a few years, how big a factor was Kyle in your final decision? I would say it was a pretty big one. He's, uh, you know, I, I think that goes for everybody here in this group, and I know that he, you know, definitely is, is – a fan of this group and is really wants us to, you know, wants to be able to see us kind of come into our own as, as a pitching staff. And I think that we're, you know, on our way to doing that. And I don't, you know, I don't think that being here long-term would have been as, it would have been as, you know, tantalizing if Kyle wasn't right. Because he, I think talking to everybody here and elsewhere and people that have come through here and gone elsewhere is, I mean, he's the best. And if you get a chance to work with that day in and day out, that's, a big factor in, in wanting to come every day and, and perfect your craft. I, I've talked with Tyler Glass now about this, being that he's 6'8", and Kyle's really tall, but you're 6'6", too. How much does that help working with someone who knows what it's like to have long levers when you're pitching? Yeah, and I never uh, have made that connection necessarily. Um, but no, I, I think just overall his ability to relate, whether it's to somebody that's Beaks' size or Glass's size, you know, and to be able to you know, figure out where things are happening in a delivery and, and being able to get that hand, you know, where you need it to be in order to to create your best, uh, you know, movement profiles. I think that that's incredible, be it, you know, somebody who's similar in size to me and, and kind of headspace or somebody that's completely different in both regards. You mentioned, too, one of the reasons you love being here is because they win. What makes this group special and have gotten off to the team start it has gotten off to? Yeah, I don't know if anybody would have pegged that. Um, as, a, as something to happen, you know, to the extent that it's happened. I think that, you know, with the arms that we have and everything rolling into the year, I, I, I felt that we were a very confident group. And we're obviously, you know, the 13 of us are a pretty close-knit group as it is, and that definitely, I think, helps. Um, but then to, to see the hitters and how they've all, you know, kind of gelled together and, and kind of gelled, you know, with the, with the pitching staff as well, you know, it's – it's uh, to use a bad video game analogy. It's like when you keep getting the plus chemistries if you're playing like 2K for being a good team player. Uh, I would say that that uh, 
if you're running your franchise, you're on on any video game, your your chemistry number is pretty high right now. Since you brought up video games with two young kids, have you even had a chance really to continue to play at all? Not really. Um, I guess play some Breath of the Well. We usually play Smash Bros on the plane, right? Me, Bilal, Flim. Well, I don't know if that's grammatically correct. My mother will probably be upset about it. But the three of us usually play Smash Bros, and Flim's Switch is all messed up, so we did not play on the last flight. And I did get to play through like an hour or so of Breath of the Wild, which was a, a welcome, uh, you know, change and pretty fun. I don't typically play um, kind of like the open world RPG like that, and Breath of the Wild is awesome. I need to finish it because the sequel is coming out. Very excited for that. Um, and then I think it's sometime in July that the new Harry Potter game finally comes out. Finally. Finally comes out on Switch, so I will be, uh, I'm excited to get to that and, and start uh, living my dreams out as a kid who grew up reading uh, Harry Potter books. You're a man of many interests, as we know. Uh, <laughs> coffee connoisseur, too. Any new coffee places you found in St. Pete or on the road that you're really high on? Uh, St. Pete, I kind of hit my, I hit my spots now. Um, on the road, we went to one in... Toronto, I think it was called Dark Horse, um, and that was excellent. I had flat white, flat white being my beverage of choice. It's an excellent ratio of espresso and milk. Um, I, would, I would think Dark Horse is the best I've been to so far. There was another one, um, I cannot think of the name off the top of my head. It was in D.C., and I do not know the name of it, which really is frustrating to blank on, but it was also it was also very good. There was also aesthetically, great aesthetics. They had some really fun, like, uh, I don't know if it was like ceramic or plastic or not, but the cup, perfectly cool. My flat white, a perfect temperature. All right, so perfect coffee has, you gave some of the characteristics. What what needs to be there for it to be the really good cup of coffee? Oh, it depends. I like it to be a little more floral. That's my ideal flavor. I like it a little bit, you know, more floral on that, that aftertaste you get if you're doing like a pour over or something. I Espresso-wise, I like it all, really, as long as is people aren't ripping Cafe Bustello without making it into a cafecito and whipping that sugar in there. I still do like it a little more floral, but there's, there's some times that you get a good nutty or, or kind of chocolate tone that pops through on an espresso that's, that's really tasty. The great thing about Pete Fairbanks is he's not shy to give his opinion, which I'm sure happens in the bullpen too. <laughs> Tell me, I know Jason Adams is known for his dad jokes. What's the personality of the group? Is there anyone who surpasses him, funnier? more interesting this year with the combination of guys? I mean, I don't think anybody. J.A. is, in terms of just pure laughs, I mean, it's J.A. He's hilarious in the fact that he cannot shut off the part of his brain that, that takes whatever's been said and makes a pun out of it. But, I mean, on the other side of things, like Poe and I have a, just a constant need to trash talk each other. And so I very much enjoy that as well. I, it's, uh, it's a toss-up. It depends on, on what you're into. But, yeah, it, it's a funny group. It's always a funny group. Um, yeah, it, it is. I, I love being down there. Obviously, I'm not down there as much this year because I kind of get the ability to, you know, have a little bit of a, a, a more consistent prep routine knowing, you know, kind of what the innings that I'm going to throw are going to be. But, yeah, it's. I love being down there. It's, it's a funny group. It's a fun group to be around. And as we've, as I've noted and people will note, you don't get I don't think you get eight closer people than the ones you stick down there by themselves every day. Have you liked or disliked the name either Rare Banks or Wear Banks because they haven't been able to use you a lot because the team has been winning a lot of games in lopsided fashion? I think it's funny. Um, I, I thought the Rare Banks one when it kind of 
when it kind of escaped the locker room was pretty funny. There's some other funny ones that aren't necessarily uh, <laughs> friendly to people that I'm gonna those are gonna stay with uh, stay with ourselves. But yeah, the rare ranch one I thought it was pretty funny. Fair enough. A couple other things. One, I know you were doing time lapse videos before of Legos. You still doing that? And is there one you're working on? With buying a house and everything, we have been rather busy on that end. So I have three that are going to get built when we get back from Chicago because Lid and the family is going back to take care of selling our house there. So I will be doing those. Um, I've been ripping a lot of Pokemon card packs recently. That's been uh, actually somebody, some of our friends that sit down the right field line uh, gave me a pack. I pulled a pretty good Gyarados card out of it. That was exciting. So I've been doing that a lot. And then I got three sets. I have the Great Pyramid. I have a, a wildflower bouquet that I need to make because why not? You know, I'm trying to try and convince Lid that that should be a house decoration instead of, you know, any real house plants. And then a free gift that came with the pyramid because we spent over 150 bucks or whatever it is was a moving truck, which it will be fitting and be fun to put in my new house. There you go. Yeah. And they do set last longer than flowers for sure. I, real ones. Yeah. I mean, I'd have never understood the flowers like. Once you chop them off, they just die. Cool. I, I, as Lid said a couple of days ago, I think she'd rather have a house plant than flowers. And I'll definitely take that because at least you can keep the plant alive. You just stick them in water for three days, and next thing you know, they're drooping. Well said. Um, and lastly, we know that you are a big connoisseur of binge watching. So what is what are you sharing, and what's what's kind of the clubhouse show that you guys are watching? Or do you just do your own thing? Um, I've been talking to, to Ray and, and Aaron about, as a couple of our, our massage guy and, and trainers about secession. They're on the last season. I have not. I'm on like episode two of the first season. So I need to binge that. And maybe I will now that I'm going to have all this free time and not know what to do with myself. So I'm going to be real bored. Um, obviously lasso has been coming out as we talked about the, the most recent episode I thought was great. Um, I didn't know that I needed a 15-minute a, a side quest of Roy Kent trying to learn how to ride a bike, but it was uh, excellent. And the only thing that I've really, like, legitimately binged recently was Shrinking, and that's Jason Segel Harrison Ford on Apple TV+. And it is hysterical. For those, whoever listens to this, if you need a show and you're willing to spend the $7.99 if you don't already have it, Shrinking is 10 hours of pure laughs. Jason Segel is an incredible physical comedian and giving grumpy Harrison Ford a comedic role is something that should be done more often. Well said. And so was his conversation. Hearing the opinions of Pete Fairbanks is probably one of the more enjoyable interviews I do during the year. Pete, it's always fun. It is. And it's, uh, yeah, you know, we did a podcast. We've, we've talked a lot. And as we know, some people find me entertaining and some people don't. Well, most of them do, and we're glad you could spend some time with us. That's Pete Fairbanks on This Week in Race Baseball, and we'll come back with more in just a moment. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 
Well, we continue on this week in race baseball, and we appreciate the time with reliever Pete Fairbanks and joining us right now uh, from the race front office and also from Valley Sports Sun, Denard Spann. Denard, uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to, to be joining with you, Neil. Tell me what it's been like balancing the two and how have you enjoyed it so far? Uh, so far, it's been it's been pretty seamless. It's been pretty good, man. I've enjoyed it. Um, I just got done last week uh, finishing my first three days on, on air and, and uh, very nerve wracking, but, you know, <laughs> adrenaline rush and uh, but a lot of fun as well, too. Harder to do that or hit in the ninth inning? Ooh, I'm going to say hard, harder to do this because I don't have as many reps. Now, once I get some reps, then I, that answer could change. Well, it it probably is a little <laughs> bit uh, for me, probably, for me, you know, I get it. I get it. Yeah, uh, it's new. Uh, but yeah. for it, it's probably a little easier. The fact that this team has gotten off to the start they've gotten off to um, it, it's what has it me- impressed you the most in art about the way this group is, is gotten off to this terrific start as a team. Man, it's, it's I don't even know where to begin because like this team has just been playing and so good on, in all facets of the game. I mean, it's easy to start off with the offense because nobody thought that they would come out and play as good as they've been playing. Um, you know, we is just, you know, when you look at the, the, the roster individually from an offensive standpoint, you know, th- there's really nobody individually that you can put, you know, put up against like a Darren Judge or a Pete Alonzo. But when you put all of our guys collectively together, it's like, man, this is a, a really, really fun offense. And they, they complement each other. Um, you know, they, they do the little things. And, you know, we got, you know, Bilal, who's, who is our, you know, guy who has hit 40 home runs. But, you know, we have like four other guys that can hit 20-plus home runs in, in the lineup with Wander. You got Yandy, Randy, uh, Rayleigh's been raking. And even Josh as well. So it's just a fun, a fun group of offensive guys. You over the last several years got to watch some of these guys in the minor leagues too, and probably saw them at, in the minors at their best. Yeah. Who do you yeah. think really has taken off here in the majors, and and what is realistic or sustainable for some of these guys? Josh Lowe, I, I saw him. You know, the last couple of years in AAA, just dominate there. And then last year, obviously, he came up and. Stumbled a little bit, but, you know, I, I knew it was a matter of time and before, you know, it, he would be able to get comfortable and, and, and start to take off. And that's what we've seen um, so far early in this season. And, you know, I think he's going to be a key role um, for this organization, obviously, this year. But moving forward, um, this, you know, this organization has definitely, you know, relies on, you know, the the young players in our system to come up and make an impact because of, you know, just how we how we run run the organization. And so. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as long as we, you know, put him in the right spots and continue to allow him to build his confidence, I think he he's going to be, he's going to be great. How much of the fact that Brandon Lau and, and Wander are healthy, do you think is, is filtering down to Josh? The fact that he does not have to, as you said, be the guy, but be a guy. Most definitely. I mean, you said it right there. I think last year, for a lot of our young guys, you know, Taylor Walls and even Luke Rayleigh when he came up, like there was a lot that was asked of those guys and it had to do with because we had so many injuries, right? And so now, you know, the, the load is is less on those guys. You They can kind of hide in the lineup and, and um, you know, teams are, you know, pitching around some of our big guys, but then they're finding out that our, our younger guys can play play really good as well. So 
Um, I think that has played a huge factor for a lot of our young players coming into this season so far. You've been, you know, a young player, a key player, a veteran player. When you get off to a start like this team has gotten off to, what does that do for your confidence and what does it do for you for the rest of the season when you start this well? Well, when you're a young player, like we were talking about, you know, it, it, it means a, a, a lot, you know, to, to get off to a really good start. Um, you know, you're already, you know, uh, you know, coming in with a lot of pressure, you know, trying to prove yourself, trying to prove to your manager, trying to prove to the organization that they made the right decision. And so when you get off to a good start, it, you know, it just sets the tone and you can take a deep breath as a player and say, you know what, like this is the same game that it was when I was in triple air and double air, or for that matter, even high school or little league and just go out there and have fun and play the game that you've always played it and let your instincts and your ability just take over. As much as the offense has been talked about, as much as made it to the pitching, is the defense with this group a little bit underrated right now, at least compared to the other two aspects of the game? I'm not sure if you if I would use underrated, but just we they just it's been overshadowed, I think, because of the offense has been so good. Um, but you look around the infield and the outfield. I mean, I mean, everybody is a plus defender. Um, you know, you you got guys playing, you know, uh, different positions. You got Rayleigh playing first base. He's never done, but he's looking good to this point. Um, Harold Ramirez could put him in, in at first in the outfield. He, you know, maybe not a plus um, defender. Um, but Jose Siri, it's nice to have him back. You know, he's the general out there in the outfield. And then, of course, you got Wander and, and, and Taylor Walls. I think those two guys are arguably the best defensive infielders in the game. Yeah, especially Walls. You know, the thing that stands out to me, and, and you know this as an outfielder with anticipation, Denard, he seems to be able to read the pitch and, and be on the move almost before things happen. Yeah, his instincts are are on another level his first step is on another level. You know, it's almost like, you know, he is looking at, you know, I, I, well, obviously he's in the infield. So I think he, he, I think I know he knows what pitch is coming. Well, maybe, maybe he doesn't anymore because now they got the pitch gone. So maybe I don't know if he knows the pitch is coming or not, but he, you know, he, he can see where the catcher's setting up and you can tell like before the pitch is going, he's leaning. And as soon as that ball's hit, it seems as if he's already got a two-step beat on a ball that's put in play. Probably depends on uh, who's wearing pitchcom that day and what position he's at. Uh, but you're right. Exactly. A, a lot of times he does read the game extremely well. And, and maybe most impressive to me, Denard, is the fact that this team has done this with the players that they've been missing. Uh, they just get Ryan Thompson back, but they've mi been missing Sean Armstrong in the bullpen. Obviously, yeah. major loss in Jeffrey Springs. Tyler Glass now is coming along, but probably won't pitch till the latter part or middle part of May. Uh, and, and you lost Zach Eflin for a couple of weeks, yet still the team has gotten off to the best start in the sport. Yeah, I think that's just a testament to, once again, how the team is put together, the depth that, this or that we have as an organization. Um, honestly, it's like it, there's not one player that you can remove from the team and the team is going to fail, which I think is awesome, right? Because it's like, you know, it's like a it's like a locomotive, right? Like you miss a piece, but you can, you know, we got pieces in the minor leagues that you can step up and and keep the fort going and keep it moving. And um, you know, it's just it's just fun to watch. You know, honestly, last year was fun to watch all the injuries we had, and we still were able to make a run. You know, we were still able to you know plug in some guys here and there, and still was able to be successful. So um, I just think that this ball club is is put together really well.
This month of May that's coming up, though, is going to be quite the challenge, especially with Pittsburgh playing as well as it is. I mean, you look at a homestand coming up with Pittsburgh and New York. Then you've got Baltimore, the Yankees, and Mets. You come home, you've got the Brewers and the and the Dodgers, too. Um, is it a nice little kind of test coming up in the month of May just to see where you stand with some of the better teams in the league? Most definitely. I mean, we've obviously uh, been playing really good baseball. It's been a lot of people saying we haven't played anybody, but it's like, look, you know, <laughs> these guys are getting paid over there as well. That's one part of it. And another part of it is like, wait, well, hey, we didn't make the, we didn't make the schedule. Um, so, you know, we've just take, we've taken care of business up until this point. Um, but like you said, coming up in May, you got some really good ball clubs um, that are on our schedule and it definitely will be a good test to see where we are. Um, but I, 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 from what I've seen, I, I like, I, I like what I see and I, I think we'll, I think we'll be fine. Even even if we stumble a little bit in May, I, th I still think we'll be fine. Well, and and from that regard, you know, the fact that you probably will still do at least part of the month without glass now, um, you know, also speaks to the depth that you have. And yeah. um, it's going to be a, probably a big month for guys like Yanni Chirinos and Josh Fleming to continue yeah. to to grow. And it's all, yeah, that, and it's only better for those guys. It's, it's you know, because we're going to have to lean on those, those guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. We want to lean on those guys. Um, throughout the course of this season. It's a long season, as we know, and you know, unfortunately, you know, guys are going to go down and, you know, we're going to have to lean on Yanni and, and uh, uh, Fleming and, and some of those guys, um, you know, uh, moving forward. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're gaining experience, especially for Yanni. Like, he's been hurt a lot the last couple of years. So him coming up, building his confidence back is, is huge. Um, I remember playing with him in 18. He was as nasty as – as I'd ever seen it with his, his sinker and his slider, uh, you know, ball just moving all over the place. And so um, I'm looking forward to, to watching him come back as well. Is the most important guy on this group, Shane McClanahan, just because without glass now he's your defect, he's your true ace. Yeah, I would say so, especially with the, the starting rotation. Um, yeah. He, he's just electric. You know, you saw what he did, what he did last Thursday or this past Thursday against the white Sox. Um, you know, we're coming off a, a two-game skid against the the Houston Astros. He comes in and gets us right back on track, and um, that's the epitome of a, of an ace right there—a guy that you know can stop a losing streak. And um, with his stuff, it's it, you know it's electric. Um, you know, just just the way he goes about his business, the way he's matured as an individual on and off the field, it has been very impressive. And I would say, yeah, he's the most important piece to the staff. Denard, good stuff. Continue to enjoy the new opportunity and uh, your work in the front office, too. We appreciate some time on This Week in Race Baseball. No problem. Thank you for having me, Neil. Well, on this Sunday, we have the pleasure of joining us, Tony and Carlos Ramirez, as we are about to kick off Mental Health Awareness Month. And obviously, that's very important to the Ramirez family and to the Rays. I certainly appreciate both of you coming on with me today. Thank you, Neil. We, we, we appreciate, appreciate that. Of course, you know, our family, uh, our race family is always a priority for us. How are both of you doing, if you, if you could tell me? I know this has probably been, I mean, it was amazing to me how strong you guys were in the wake of such adversity with the loss of your son to death by suicide. You've started a foundation, which I want to get into, but just how are you doing first? We're doing okay. We're taking it day by day. Some days are good. Some days are harder, but it's been an year, you know, for, for just like getting into our new life. 
Carlos, how about you? How have you been? I've been good, uh, Neil. You know, it's a uh, it's a new normal. Uh, of course, uh, we do have our our good days. We do have our bad days. I try to stay busy with my uh, college uh, college baseball team, of course. And the boys are doing good, but kind of it seems like it helps us more. If we spreading the boys. Uh, we're doing a lot of a lot of. Uh, we go to different places and talk to the people and uh, talk about suicide, mental health, and, and that helps us a lot. The players reach out. All still the race, all our, our race players, they reach out to us every now and then, and, and we talk for a little bit, and that, might, uh, that makes us feel way better. Especially this uh, this week, that is that is Jean's, was supposed to be Jean's birthday on Thursday. So it's been a little bit, you know, kind of up and down, right? But... Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to you know meeting with uh with the team on Tuesday and hopefully you know we're gonna be there from the from the second through the seventh. So we're looking forward to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. What you guys have done has been so touching. Uh, in fact, I'm still wearing the your wristband. The suffering in silence is not okay. I want our fans to know about the foundation that you guys started, the name of it, and how that's been going because you guys are doing a lot of good work. So we started the foundation back in December of 2022. We started with our first fundraiser in Puerto Rico. We did a baseball camp and we had a toy drive for the uh, only hospital that has a mental health unit in Puerto Rico. We decided that one of the ways that we wanted to honor Jean's memory was to create a foundation so we're, we could talk about suicide prevention and mental health. And in the process of helping other people, just, you know, work in our, in our healing as well. So we focus on mental health and suicide prevention, and we do it through education and we do community service. So we, we do lots of projects to help the community. You mentioned Puerto Rico. I would assume you're doing some stuff back in your home state of Texas too? Absolutely. Tell me some of the things that you're doing there and then what it will mean to come back here to Tropicana Field this coming week. So yes, we want to focus on the places that were very meaningful to Jean and to our family. So um, like I said, we started in Puerto Rico. And here in Texas, we worked with Under the Bridge Ministries, which is a ministry that focuses on helping homeless people. So we did a backpack drive for them. And then we partnered up with One Tribe Foundation, which is, it was formerly named 22 Kill. They focus on, so at the beginning, they focus on soldier uh, suicide prevention, but then they expanded and they incorporated the first responders. During the month of April, we have been just selling things in our website and just getting donations. And we're going to go ahead and we're just going to give those donations in the month of May to them. We're super excited to go back home to uh, Florida. Yeah, You mentioned home, I guess, for, for both of you. Explain how, how the Rays have received you and how helpful they've been over the last year. Man, they... They, they've been great. I couldn't ask for anything better. I want to point out that uh, I don't know if you, if I, if we mentioned this to you, we lived in, in the Tampa area from 1996 through, uh, through 1999. That's where our youngest son, Anthony, was born, actually. He was born in St. Joseph's. The race have been, have been great to us. Again, it's a constant communication with, with the front office, constant communication with the players the coaching staff as well. We're like a really, really big family. We see the race players as, you know, probably our 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 other sons as well. It's our extended family. 
Uh, and I know the people that he was close, that Gene was closest to, you stay close with, whether it's Manny Navarro or Ray Allen or others mm -hmm. that are in that baseball operations area. Yes. Yes. Uh, Ray, Manny, Shane McClanahan, uh, Colin Poche, of course, you know, which, you know, was uh, Gene's uh, teammate in Arkansas as well. Jalen Beeks was Gene's uh, teammate as well. Sammy Barley, Eric Neander, everybody. Tell me, I I'm guessing that over the past year, you guys have had a really positive impact on a lot of people. Are there stories that you can tell me about whether it's parents, whether it's young adults, where you have you know that you're helping another one and you're in essence saving lives? Yes, we have had situations. Uh, we, we get emails, phone calls, um, and uh, messages online on a regular basis. And we have had people, parents approach me and say, hey, I'm going through this situation with my son or my daughter. They, you know, they're having depression. What should I do? Because, you know, unfortunately, kids don't feel comfortable telling the parents uh, how they feel. So, you know, the parents uh, need to just be aware of the symptoms and the signs that come with depression and anxiety and those uh, kind of mental illnesses. So they will reach out to us and ask us, okay, so in this situation, what should I do? And what we, you know, what we tell them is like, you know, from our experience and from the things we are learning, uh, this is what you should do. And even uh, we have talked to young athletes and we have told them, hey, you need to put on your phone 988, which is the suicide hotline. And we go through the process. Um, we had uh, in the summer a situation where a, a player said, you know, I'm at the end of the road. I don't know what else to do. And we had to talk to his parents and just tell them, you know, he's struggling and he needs to come home so he can be, you know, receive services, uh, mental health services and uh, therapy. I guess like talking from a parent to another, it, it makes a, a huge difference. You know, they, they listen to us with an open heart and, you know, we're, we're glad that we're able to impact other people's lives. Well, you have turned a major negative into a positive. It's absolutely amazing the work that you're doing. How do you want to grow over time? Because obviously you continue to heal as a family and you continue to help others. What are some other things that you haven't done that maybe you would like to do in the future? Well, in reality, you know, we just want, or I just want, right? We want people to be heard, uh, be heard. You know, people that are suffering, people. Our goal is to have as many people as possible that are going through any kind of situation that can trigger, you know, any mental health or or you know, su suicidal thought to be heard, right? And 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 that's our goal. Our goal is to help people. Sometimes, yes, there is a the the professional help, and we do acknowledge that. But sometimes they they wanna they wanna listen. They relate more sometimes to what we tell them. Again, we are not professionals in any way as far as uh, mental health uh, illnesses or 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 any 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 of that. But uh, we rely the message of please go and seek help, and and that's what we want people to understand that there is help out there. That is our goal. And what would you want? Because there are probably a lot of race fans who didn't know Gene but knew of him, what is important to know that you want Gene's legacy to be? And what should they have known about him? Gene was a wonderful, kind uh, young man. He loved people. From all the uh, things that people have told us, that he was very kind to everybody. He loved being there for other people. 
and unfortunately, you know, all the people that he was uh, helping did not know that he was struggling. So I guess like the people that are suffering, they understand what other people are going through. So that gives them more kindness. And we want uh, people to remember him for the great guy that he was, for the kind humanitarian that he was. And, you know, we, we're not trying to portray him as a perfect person or anything like that. But we want people to know that can happen to a regular person. It can happen to uh, your friend. It can happen to people in your family. And we need to make sure that uh, we take care of each other, that we're watching over each other, speaking out. And then we are just letting people know that it's okay to speak up. It's okay to just tell exactly when you are not feeling well. It's a great message. And if listeners want to learn more about your foundation, where can they go on social media? Where can they find out more? Obviously, I'm following you guys, but I want to make sure there are a few more people that are also paying attention to the things that you guys are doing. Absolutely. So our website, it's jr98inc.com. We you can find us in Instagram, Twitter, Facebook with at jr98inc.com. Our email is the same, jr98inc at gmail.com. They can send us messages and everything. We respond to the messages. So if they ever want to speak to us, um, we are open to listening. Um, like Carlos says, we're not expert uh, professionals in the mental health area. But as a parent, we have learned throughout this year some things that could be of help. Well, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Uh, as mentioned, you guys are extremely strong. I look forward to seeing you guys at the ballpark next week. And I know that Gene would be loving what this team is doing right now as you are. And uh, we will see you soon. Yes, uh, thank you. And if you ask me what we want as a legacy, we don't want a legacy. We just want people to be heard when they go into mental illnesses. That's, that's what we want. And that is the main thing. Again, it's out there. We see cases every just about every day. People reach out to us just about every day as well. And we guide them through the right channels. Okay, well, you need to go and seek help. And, you know, this is uh, these are the resources uh, per state. If we don't have the information, we'll get it for them if they need that, if they feel more comfortable uh, doing that. I think it was a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, we went to Regis University. And we talked to the baseball players there, and, and I think they had a game against Colorado Pueblo. And so we talked to both of the teams as well. I think we're going to go to them in, in May, at the end of May. We're going to go to the Northwood Collegiate League, Madison Mallards. Jim played at, uh, with the Mallards, and Mallards called us, and they wanted us to talk to the, uh, the players and possible the fans. Of course, you know, that's a bigger crowd. We're talking about probably 10,000 people. So we are just blessed that we carry the message uh, as far as the, the parents' standpoint. What can people do to help? What are the resources? And letting them know that, that they're loved. Well, we love you guys, and we're glad you could come on and share that message with our listeners. Thank you so well, much thank for your you, time. Neil. We look forward to giving you a hug. Same here. You take care. Thank you, Neil. We appreciate it, and go race. Always appreciate the opportunity to chat with Tony and Carlos Ramirez, and you can learn more about the foundation that they have created in honor of Gene at jr98inc.com.
Coming up on This Week in Rays Baseball, we'll hear from Major League Coach Tomas Francisco about his work with the Rays catchers. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and joining us right now, Tomas Francisco, first year on the staff at the Major League level and also working with the catchers. Tomas, thanks very much for a few minutes. No, thank you for having me. What have the last few weeks been like for you, and what has it meant in your first year in the big leagues? Oh, it's been great. It's been great having the chance to be first in the big league staff with the team and also having the start that, that we're having right now. It's been great. We'll get into the catchers who you spend a lot of time with, but you also had to organize spring training. Tell me what that was like and how challenging it was. Oh, it was, it was a big, big challenge, especially going to Orlando, not knowing how the complex looked, how, what we're going to have available for us. And it was a big, big challenge. And also when we come back, when we come to the trap, how things going to work out, just having one field for close to 80 players. It was a big challenge having uh, Hogan Stengel just to work out and send some guys over there. That, that was helpful. Obviously, things have worked out. Are you pleased with the way things worked out from a from a preparation standpoint? Because the guys obviously went well into the season. Yes, yes. Like we were really pleased the way the guys handle just being in Orlando, being coming to the trap, and also like you can see the results how we start the season. How much of that? Well, you know, we were curious. It's rare for the, a team to be at their own home for Major League Spring training games, and you guys spent a month here, and then the first month here of home games. The team has played really well. Do you think there's anything to that, or is it just the way it turned out? I For sure. For sure, it helped out. It helped out just the guys getting used to the truck, to the roof, uh, being in the in the environment that they're going to be during the, during the season. I think it was really helpful for them just to spend that month here. As mentioned, this is new to you, um, but not working with catchers. You've spent the last several years, but now you're working with the same guys every day. How has that been different, and what do you do differently since you're working with the same two guys? I would say that, uh, to start, I have a little background with those two guys. I work with them in winter ball and just being familiar with them. They um, they know me pretty well. So it is, I, I know it's a little bit different where in the past as a coordinator, you just come in town, spend a couple of weeks with the guys, two or three days. And just now being in the daily basis with them, it's just a matter of keep getting their, their routine day in and day out and making sure that we work, we do the things, but also not trying to do too much. Tell me, uh, Christian Bethencourt and Francisco Mejia, what do each of them do well? What do you like about what each of them has done to begin the year? I think they, they both they both got different personalities, and, and we all know that. But they, they, they both got um, some similarities. I know Bethencourt is pretty good with the receiving, talking with the pitchers and all that. Mejia, in the same way, is like... The way he, he invests the time, just knowing their picture, making sure that they follow the plan. I think that those two guys are pretty similar, and in the long run, they, they're going to help us. And it sounds like they know each other already, so how much does that help the, the way they push for each other to help the staff? Oh, yeah. I mean, starting, like, I would say last year when Betancourt came over, um, they started building that relationship. I know they played together in the past, down in the DR. But now being together, get familiar, more familiar with the pitching staff, I, I think that's huge. Knowing that the start that, that we're having right now, I think it has to do a lot with how comfortable those two guys are with the pitching staff, being with them close to a year, year and a half now. 
Tomas, and we're chatting with Tomas Francisco, who works with the Rays catchers. What's What do you do, do on a daily basis with the catchers? Do you work more with the catcher who's not playing in terms of drill work versus the one who is starting? How do you divide it up? I, I would say we, we do almost the same um, with, with both guys. So whoever is starting the game, usually we come like 40, 45 minutes before the game, and we do their routine where we do a little bit of receiving, blocking and some footwork before they start warming up the pitcher. With the guy that is now starting, we're coming in early during BP or after BP, and we do some, some machine work. But so, most of the time, the guy is now starting, we, we do a little more. Also, we, we have always a talk where we sit down, talk about the night before, talk about the game that we are about to start, and uh, that's how we, we get it going. Yeah. How much of your conversation or your work with them is about game planning and how much of it is about the actual work behind the plate, the receiving aspect? I would say it's a 50-50 because they're going to receive every pitch, but before they receive that pitch, they got to call that pitch. So one is they got to be in the same page with the pitcher. they got to know their pitching staff and also making sure that they follow the plan that Cal put together for them. The, the change, too, is the fact that now you're working with a clock. 15 seconds with nobody on base, 20 seconds with a runner on base. How different is that and how much conversation is there and how much getting used to it was it to get that pitch really decided early? I would say since spring training we've been practicing just having when we do work of the machine, we're trying to keep everything where they call a pitch, getting the setup, do the work and throw the ball back. I think they're, at the beginning of spring, they're, they're, the game was a little fast for them, but as soon as they start going, getting familiar with it, they are, they are used to now and, and we can see it. Tell me this, how different um, is it, the game that is now with, with the clock, and, and how pleased have you been with the way the catchers have handled it? I've been really pleased with them. I think they handle it pretty well. And like you say, it's, it's a little bit different where before you got a little more time to process the information, to see um, what you got in your packet, check the car and see what, what how you can pitch a guy. But now that process is limited. Like you say, you got 15 seconds, you got 20 seconds, and they got to process that information quick. I think that's a big thing when we go in between innings, making sure that they know who's coming, know what what's the plan is going to be to attack those hitters, and they, they've been really good. The other challenge here is uh, the fact that you've got a lot of different pitchers coming in. You've had the injuries to Springs and Glass now and Armstrong. How well have you felt the catchers have gotten to know the, all the different types of pitchers on the staff and, and the way they've handled the group? Uh, they've been handling pretty well, and most of those guys are coming over in here. They were in spring training, so they are a little familiar with them. Um, when they get the call, we, I make sure that we sit with them, talk a little bit about those guys, like what are the strength, what are the weaknesses for those guys, and how they can help them in-game. You mentioned Kyle with the game plan. How much do you and Jorge Moncada and Kyle work together when it comes to game planning for teams as you get to know this league? Um, we, we all will work together in this and making sure that it's only one voice and one one plan that, that we're all going to follow. We get together and we just make sure that the message is the same for the catcher and also for the pitchers. And you're not only doing the catching, but do you still handle the schedule for a day-by-day -day basis here at the Major League level? Yes, yes. I've been doing the, the schedule since spring training, just like you mentioned, and also throughout the season. Just 
making sure that we do the things that, w that we need to, to do before and to, uh, also to get ready for the game. And like I said uh, early, not trying to do too much, just do what we need to do to get ready for the game. On the day we chat with you, the team actually not taking BP. How, how do you decide? Is, a, is it a group decision when the guys need a day and deciding when guys need a little less work, a little more work? Yeah, it's a, it's a group decision. I talk to Chad, Chad give me the feedback, and if we feel like the guys need a day to just get off their feet and just hit a little bit in the cage, take some ground balls, like we make a decision as a group. And I think it's always good for them to get a little breather too, knowing that the next couple of days we're gonna play all six, four or six games at six o'clock. So it's good for them to get a later there too. As we chat with you, last week we had Brady Williams on the show, and one of the things I asked him about what this has all meant to his family. You know, first year in the big leagues, all the work you put in. How much are they enjoying this? Oh, they they love it. Um, as you know, it, it was a long journey for me 16 years in the minors and my parents my brother and my wife they they came over from dr they spent the first couple of weeks in here especially in opening day and i and it was great like they all break in tears that day in the opening day during the anton i did the same thing and we we just enjoying the journey right now when did it hit you when did that moment touch you I would say that the first moment as soon as Anton started going, I'm like, yes, we, we, we did it. Like, we did it. And you've been obviously watching a lot of good teams here coming in town and also as a coordinator, a lot of minor league teams. What makes this group special right now? What has, has stood out to you? I would say they get, the way they get along each other, like there's a lot of conversation in between them, how, how they treat us as teammates. And that that's what we get in here, just a good group of good teammates that they put for each other and that's that's what it makes you good well hopefully that uh, good run continues and also the good work by the catchers tomas we certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball thank you so much neil for the opportunity and that's tomas francisco we appreciate his time and our guests on the show today pete fairbanks denard span as well as tony and carlos ramirez if you ever have something you want to hear on the show tweet me at neil solons thanks to chris mathis and all of our coordinators back at our studios led by chris miller becca carney parker welsh and alex fuse i'm neil solons the pregame shows next on the race baseball network thank you for listening to this week in race baseball Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front 4-1. If you missed any of the show, catch it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.